Hello, cruel world, and welcome to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. My name is Indy Randawa, and with me is my co-host, Samantha Randawa. That's me. How are you doing today, Sam? I'm good. I'm covered in kitchen spices, but I'm good. I'm very spicy today. How are you, Indy? Don't worry about it. Uh, oh, okay. That's a good answer for a podcast <laughs> audio only show. So, I, I recently I've been paying attention to this more often because you see it in TV shows, but I've been paying attention to it in real life. When there's like a married couple and one just doesn't answer things, yeah, like where were you last night? Like, don't worry about it. What business is that of yours? And that's how like people operate. That's so weird. Because my answer would be, um, it's my business because we're married. Yeah. Like, you'd think that you'd just tell me. Do we share too much? No, because no. There's people who uh, will like poop in front of each other. Yeah, we don't do that. Yeah, but if I'm like, hey, where'd you go last night? And you say, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. I think you're up to crime. Crime. Yeah. Or infidelity. Which is illegal, isn't it? Isn't it technically illegal? Is it? I don't know. I think in like... In the church, maybe. Yeah, I think some states probably have laws against Oh, I'm that. sure. States have laws against Can't everything. Can't carry an ice cream cone in your pocket in Kentucky. You have to have a horse hitch outside of all businesses in yeah. Alberta. And that horse better have a diaper on it. But there's so <laughs> many people that are just like, no, 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 I don't, I don't tell my wife that. Let us know. What, how much do you share with your partner? I feel like where you are is a pretty low bar. Yeah. <laughs> like where I went and... If I was doing a crime, I'd be like, oh, I did this crime. You should have seen it. It's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the sweet crime I did. You do tell me about all your crimes. All my sweet, sweet crime. Is it still the law that I can't testify against you? Well, that's an American thing oh, that okay. someone can't be compelled to testify, but you could always just like no comment it, I think. Hmm. Okay. I good. don't know. Crime. Maybe I shouldn't confess all my sweet crimes to you. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. Indy is taking the don't worry about it stance. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> Well, then I'm not going to tell you about all the sweet crimes I do. <laughs> my other favorite thing is like, hey, where were you? What are you, my biographer? Oh, yeah. You do bring that one out sometimes. <laughs> and then I roll my eyes and say, no, where were you? <laughs> no, but it, it, that one I bring up because usually it's for hiding a present of yours. Is it? But like, what's in that bag? What are you, my biographer? True. Usually, if I don't tell you what something is, it's a gift. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's pretty much everything. Noted. Well, now I'm just going to use it all the time and you think all these presents are coming to you but in reality <laughs> no, no presents i'm out here. there doing what is it again crime sweet sweet crime <laughs> <laughs> so many crimes like burgle arson arsony yeah it's when you burgle a place set it on fire and then also steal more stuff after yeah it's on fire burgle arson arsony <laughs> oh that's interesting right. so it's a lot to do in one night quite the feat yeah oh yeah back to this being a podcast oh yeah Welcome, and here at I Love This, You Should Too, we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported. Today is a preview episode for Samantha's Big Pick that we'll be talking about next week, so yes. we'll each have a little quick review for you, and then we'll hear what we're watching for our Big Pick. But before we get into it, 
let's thank our first sponsor of the episode and this episode of I Love This You Should Too is brought to you in part by the Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you can be calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online anytime or on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. All right, Samantha, what is your thing of the week? So my thing of the week, speaking of sweet, sweet crimes, Mm -hmm. is called, uh, it is the uh, Discovery Plus Prime Video series, Why Women Kill. Okay, before we even break down that, Discovery Plus Prime Video series. Yes. What do all those words mean? Uh, So Discovery Plus is a... Like uh, Discovery Channel? Yeah. Oh. It's a um like streaming service in the States. Like Nova. They, don't they just show old episodes of Nova all the time? <laughs> Probably. And like Animal Planet. <laughs> yeah. Well that's a that's a whole nother network. Is it? Animal Planet. It's its own network? Animal Planet's a network, not a show. Good for Animal Planet. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's what it always was. <laughs> I thought it was a show. Oh. <laughs> uh and then Prime Video for us here in Canada is the distributor. Of this television show. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, so it is a dark American comedy drama, which is a lot of words to describe one show. And the show was created by Mark Cherry, who created Desperate Housewives. And both of his shows have a fun kind of what goes on behind your neighbor's closed doors kind of storyline to it. Mm. them. Did you watch Desperate Housewives? I've watched a bit of it. Not the whole thing. Did you? No. Okay. I just wanted to learn about those housewives. Why are they so desperate? I think it's the same kind of idea, um, but this one has kind of a cool twist to it. Cool. So uh, it's super fun and quick moving. You kind of never get bored of one storyline because it's set in three different decades in the same house in Palisades, California. Oh, are there ghosts? No. Okay. There are not ghosts. Mark Cherry said in an interview that there would be three deaths at the end of the series and they would all be committed by women, but it's not necessarily the three main women and the victims are not necessarily the men on the, like, title characters. So it's um, kind of fun. It's kind of twisty and turny. And there's a lot of um, fun side characters that you get to meet that make everything um, kind of move along and is kind of campy and decade-specific. Okay, so there's three main characters? Yes, so this is only season one of the show. Season two was just released, which is why I'm doing it, because it's all available on Prime, and they've already greenlit a season three, which I'm very excited about. Um, So the first decade is 1963, and Beth Ann Stenton played by Jennifer Goodwin, remains content as a housewife until she learns of her husband, Rob, who's played by Sam Jagger's unfaithfulness. And then in 1984, socialite Simone Grove, played by Lucy Liu, discovers her third husband, Carl, is homosexual and um, begins her own affair with a younger man. And then in 2019, a bisexual attorney, Taylor, played by Kirby Howell Baptiste, and her husband, who 
is in an open marriage, Eli, who is played by Reed Scott, become attracted to the same woman, Jade, and hijinks ensues in all of the decades. So much hijinks. So much hijinks. What kind of hijinks are ensuing? Uh, Affairs, mostly. Mm -hmm. And then also uh, just fun... um, I don't know. One of the things that I really liked about the show is that there's really great transitions between the decades because it is the same house. They do a really good job of like fading out one decor and in another decor in the same room. Oh, that's fun. So it'll often be like, oh, someone's having a bath. And then in the next decade, all of the like trinkets and things around the bath would change out and it would be someone from the next decade taking that same bath cool yeah so they do a really good job of kind of mixing in fun movie tropes as well as uh good comedy writing i guess it was it was a funny show where does the comedy come from in this um i think it's more of the like kind of dark comedy of like more like illicit Things. I don't know how to answer that question. So it's, um, <laughs> is it more uh, situational? They're in like situations where it's kind of absurd and they're, how did we get into this? Or are there people making jokes? Or what it, makes it, what's the comedy of this dark comedy? It is very situational. And each of the decades, I don't want to give away too much because obviously the twists are what make it kind of fun mm-hmm. and kind of leave a surprise for the end but the uh all of of the decades definitely get kind of mixed up in things that they shouldn't and um kind of all come to the same point of like we kind of have no choice but to kill someone or to get rid of this person or this person needs to be out of our life so it's fun to see that and uh another fun thing is that all the episodes are named after old noir films oh yes like what um they made me a killer from 1946 murder my sweet from 1944 the woman in the window from 1944 so they they kind of follow this noir old hollywood feel so for extra research into your show are you gonna watch all those movies now i don't know maybe maybe a few of them i'm into that those are there's a couple good ones in there because i don't know most of them um and i wonder if by watching a few of those movies the episodes would be kind of fun like if the episodes are a little more based on those movies this show was one of the most streamed shows on the discovery plus streaming service and that's why it got two more seasons so you can find why women kill on either discovery plus or prime video and did you find out why yes women kill yeah why i can't tell you oh man it's a secret it's a womanly secret (laughs) see these are the kinds of secrets that you shouldn't be keeping (laughs) don't worry about it see that that's a sign of someone who's going to kill yeah probably (laughs) <laughs> yeah, probably? Okay. No, well, I just mean if, me. if someone's saying that, they're probably about to do a murder. Yeah, everyone who doesn't <laughs> answer your questions probably going to commit murder. Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, you're very happy about your murder. No, I've never murdered that you know of. Well, no, clearly. <laughs> but you just said, I've never murdered. 
And then you add that you know of, which is just saying like, hey, I murdered someone. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if you will or if you have. If I have. Indy, what's your thing of the week? Well, I think my thing of the week should be an escape plan. <laughs> Living with an eventual murderer. Good thing you didn't do books this time because I got books. Oh, see, I like to switch it up unconsciously, not knowing what you're doing. I read a lot of children's literature for my job. And then I started thinking about what my favorite books were as a kid. And I'm revisiting them because I remember when you're a kid, you want to like read an entire series, but it's, it's daunting. Some of those books are big, but now mm -hmm. I can read them super quick. Yeah. So that's fun. And I have read, I think, probably five books this month that I really loved in elementary school. Easy readers. <laughs> yeah. Well, not easy readers. No? Easy reader is an actual specific category of book. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like children's books are easy to read. They are. And easy readers are very easy, but those are a, a much lower level. Oh, okay. <laughs> probably around grade three. Three, maybe two. My favorite book was called The Phantom Toll Booth, and it is written by a man named Norton Juster and was first published in 1961. I picked it up from the library just based on the cover because it was bigger than everything else. And I was like, you know what? I'm a pretty big time guy. I'm going to read this giant book. Uh -huh. And I, it was like 300 some pages, which every kid's book is now. Yeah. But at the time, not very common. So it looked very big and daunting and I really loved it. And it was kind of my favorite for a very long time. Uh, the story is about a boy named Milo who's just really bored and then he receives a magic toll booth in the mail. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> and, and it transports him to this uh, kingdom. And the kingdom was once prosperous and now is falling apart and he's going to try to save it. And he has a, he meets a watchdog named Talk mm -hmm. because it's a dog with a big watch in its side, right. of course. And uh, the humbug who is a, a grumpy bug. <laughs> and they go on this adventure and a lot of it is about um plays on words a lot because uh -huh. there's two like big kind of warring castles and they're i think it's a uh, digitopolis and dictionopolis and like one is all about words and one is all about numbers and he goes to like a number mine and a number mine what happens in a number mine they mine numbers really yeah, where do you think numbers come from space <laughs> i don't know yeah you, you gotta mine them you gotta dig them up oh. so then he was like oh what's the the biggest number you have and they go oh, right over there look at that three it's huge he's no 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 like what's the longest number you have and he's oh okay like that eight it's really long and stretched out <laughs> so it's a lot of like silly plays on words like that just like the watchdog and the humbug and Milo has never really understood the importance of learning. And that's kind of the underlying lesson of it is that it's important to learn stuff and be a lifelong learner. It is. And he always thought of uh, school as being a big waste of time, but just because he didn't really understand what they're going for. Mm -hmm. And the book does like subtly criticize rote learning and things like that because there is a... Um, another another pun bug there's a spelling bee who, who spells everything <laughs> and someone is saying like that's not intelligence you just memorize those things there's nothing really important about that at one point he meets a like half a boy 
and he's which half? Uh, like the right. Oh, okay. Point five eight of a child, and they're like, "Why are you point five eight? And he goes, "Oh, you know, I'm because we're average. My family has two point five eight children. We're, <laughs> we're an average family, so I'm the point five eight. Oh, I get it. Statistics. <laughs> yeah. So it's a lot of things like that, which when you're a kid and you can get the joke, you're like, oh, I get it. I'm so clever. And <laughs> in grade three, a lot of the stuff is quite clever for that, I think. Oh, that's fun. And there's this idea of um, that we need common sense and this world doesn't have any because there are two princesses who are named Rhyme and Reason and they have been uh, kidnapped and that's kind of the the main problem. And without rhyme or reason, nothing makes sense in this world because it's all things like 0.58 of a child, <laughs> right. right? So he meets all of these characters and all these weird situations and learns that it's more important to have um, like wisdom than just like read things just as they are. And I'd recommend this book to anyone. If you have a kid who's like one of those kids who tells you a joke that's like kind of a roundabout pun and they're like get it those kids are gonna love this kids who think they're real clever <laughs> like you, i do were you one of those kids <laughs> oh of course i'm yeah. there right now you are yeah. you're real clever yeah at least i think so <laughs> <laughs> you know it so i think it's a really good uh, pick for for those kinds of kids i also reread maniac mcgee by jerry spinelli which came out in 1990 and I think I read it not too far after that in grade three or four or so. And it explores uh, themes of racism and inequality, both like racially and um, socioeconomically. And the story is about this orphan who is homeless because he runs away from his aunt and uncle who are just like the worst. And the town is very segregated between the east and west. One side is black, one side is white, and you just don't go across the the train tracks or whatever it oh. is. And the story is told in kind of like a legend way, but like the way legends are for kids. Like, man, I met this one kid. He could run faster than anyone. He could run faster than anyone, even if he was running backwards. Like that, <laughs> those kinds of things. Right. So it's kind of told like that about this kid named, and they call him Maniac McGee. And they're like, oh, he was a maniac. He was, he was allergic to pizza, but he could hit any baseball. And it's like all these kinds <laughs> those of things. things. Aren't- and uh, <laughs> there's no correlation between this no two. but isn't it like isn't that like a kid's That's legend totally right? yeah it was like he was so tall he was like taller than anybody yeah. <laughs> he lived with buffaloes yeah yeah so all of those are about the legend of him but he is kind of free from all of the prejudice that's in the city and not because he's smarter he just doesn't know he just doesn't see the difference between black people and white people because he was never told that there's a difference. Oh. So he is like the only person in this town that can go between the two. And because he's homeless, he ends up living with with a black family for a while and with white people for a while. And they each are like trying to figure out the other side. And he is kind of not brokering peace, but he's a symbol of maybe progress that they can make because in his ignorance in his naivety he's able to cross those lines hmm. and i like this one a lot as a kid uh we read it i think in grade three as our like novel study right i hated novel study because you didn't get to read ahead and you always had to do critical thinking 
<laughs> you must hate this podcast no <laughs> i don't i like it but i just hated it as a child because i just wanted to like fly through books i was a fast reader you want the content you want to know what happens yeah not explore why it's happening over eight weeks which is exactly why you love game of thrones more than i did and i love the things that we talk about and I want to talk about them for so long. Yeah. Game of Thrones is like, okay, what happens next? And then you find out and you're like, okay, that's it. I never need to talk about Game <laughs> of Thrones again. But the Blade Runner, for instance, you could just talk about that for years and years. Mm. Wow, we were kind of set up for this early in life of what we would be now. I think we were. <laughs> and the more you're saying stuff, I'm like, yeah, I kind of hated that part. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to read the books and move on to the next one. Just know what happened. Yeah. I like flew through your book. But you have to let it sit and have an effect on you. Mm, do I? <laughs> you should. <laughs> and one of the things that I really appreciated about this, I was the only non-white kid in my class. And having a book that dealt with racism. So I could be like, see, this is what I've been talking about <laughs> yeah. all the time. So that was nice. That must have been fun as a child who wasn't white. Yeah, but then... All the very well-meaning teachers even would be like, so what's your take on this being? Uh, and I was like, you don't have to single me out every time. And labor of yeah. like explaining your racism to people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> and then it would often be followed up with like, well, good thing that doesn't happen anymore, huh? And I was don't. like, yeah, but actually, moving on, one of the other books I really loved, and I think I saw a play version of it in probably grade four or five, is A Bridge to Terabithia. Oh, that was one that I always saw but never read. Oh, it's so good. I actually won't say much about this one. It's about two children who are kind of unlikely friends. It expands gender norms a bit, which is nice for a book of the time because I think it's from the late 70s. And they create this kind of um, fantastic imaginary kingdom. That's cool. But one of the most impressive things about this book is... It has one of the most well-written depictions of grief in literature that I've ever read. Mm -hmm. And for adults or children or whoever, I'm not going to say what happens, of course, but something happens and this character goes through such confusion and misplaced anger and then guilt. And it's really preparing kids for, for that kind of thing. And I'm sure adults would see a lot of themselves if they've experienced this in this book as well. There are some great lessons and themes, but I think the greatest strength of Bridge to Terabithia is that it captures feelings and moments, especially if you're reading it as an adult now. Hmm. You can like really relive the idea of having the, a new friendship or some like childhood excitement to try something different, but also it does a great job of capturing a lot of the, the negative stuff. The grief without context without life experience feeling those things for the first time and just mm -hmm. being so utterly like at a loss of what to do mm -hmm. so bridge to terabithia is a very good book maybe the best of um, all these ones i've listed Seems i like it's very complex it's it's just good it's very well written it's actually really simple in many ways but it just captures those things very well and then I also read um, Mouse on the Motorcycle again, <laughs> Indian in the Cupboard. So I'm just going back through all of my uh, childhood reads, and it's been a lot of fun. Nice. Most of them hold up, I gotta say. There's some good books. That's good to hear, because some of those, like, children's books really, like, stick with you. Like, 
you remember what you thought of them as a child. And then as an adult, you're like, oh, yeah, that was such a powerful book. But a lot of people don't go back and read them. Yeah, and maybe I like these ones still because I was kind of that kid who would read it and think about it and appreciate what's good about it. And maybe if you just read them for getting through it and you read them again now, you're like, oh, that wasn't even good. Maybe. You'll have to read some of your favorite childhood books. I'm going to have to go back and remember what we actually read. Mm-hmm. The Giver. The Giver Giver's was one that one. I remember reading. Number of the Stars is always a big one as well. I think I read Number of the Stars. I'll have to figure it out, though. Now that you're on this journey, I kind of want to go on it, too. Yeah, it's fun. (laughs) So this episode is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. Park Power has low overhead, which in turn allows them to offer low competitive rates. Reach out for a no-obligations comparison by emailing estimates at parkpower.ca. If you decide to switch, it's easy. It's really just a change to your billing, and you can feel good knowing you are helping to give back to your communities with your utility bills. You can learn more at parkpower.ca. All right, Samantha, we're ready now. What are we going to be watching for the big watch next week? So I have good news and bad news. Okay, do do I get to pick which one's first? Yeah. Uh, I want the good news first. We are staying in the Step Up universe. Hey, what's the good news? That was the good news. Wait, what? (laughs) Then what's the bad news? There is no moose. Oh, yeah, that is bad news. I think that was a bad news, worse news. Oh, sorry. No moose. So this week we will be watching the sixth installment in the Step Up series, Step Up Year of the Dance, also known as Step Up China. I'm super excited for this, actually. I can find almost no information on this movie because I think it was literally just released in China. Yeah. And uh, the only thing I can find is it is a 2019 Chinese film about youth from different social classes in Beijing coming together to form China's best dance crew. And along the way, they learned what it really means to be a family. That is literally the only thing I can find about it. Which you could put that for any of the movies? True. That is the formula. Any of these step up so far? But I'm I'm excited to see what like another country does with the step up formula, and uh, I'm excited to see the dance in China. I'm not sure which way it'll go because there are super super talented dance crews coming mm-hmm. out of China, but this franchise and movies in general have a habit of just putting in a good looking person over a great dancer in a right. dance movie. So I wonder what we're going to get. Are we going to get big names, even if they're not big names for us? Right. Or are we going to get legitimate dancers? Yeah. So it could be another like step up three where you're like, yeah, I guess he's a pretty good dancer, but he's mm-hmm. more just good looking. Yeah. I need less handsome, more dancing. <laughs> I'm going to make you a shirt that says that. <laughs> It's going to say, give me less handsome, more dancing. Yeah, that's what these movies need. It's true. Um, I'm excited to see 
step up with Chinese dancers from like a Chinese perspective, Mm -hmm. not like in one of the previous step up movies, if there was like a Chinese dance crew, because I feel like they'd get out the like parade dragon and it would be all like that, like stereotypical Chinese music. And so I'm kind of excited to see what they come up with. Um, I'm sure best dancer ever Maria would know um, more about dancing around the world. Oh, yeah. She's like probably... international dance. She's well, a... she's internationally known. Exactly. <laughs> she's the best dancer ever. Um, but from a cheer perspective, the Chinese cheer uh, teams are always very, very strong because they have a very serious work ethic over there, I think. You do one thing and one thing only. I remember <laughs> this. This sounds like it should be the start of um, this movie. It's probably better than the start of this movie. <laughs> I was in China and I was visiting one of the many large temples and it was a super hot day. And on one side was shady, of course. And there was just this crew of a bunch of like, I'd say 15 to 17 year olds. Mm. And they were just Break dancing there. Oh, wow. And they were fantastic. Yeah. They were better than a lot of the people I've seen in uh, some of these step up movies. So I just hope that they get uh, actual quality dancers and not just like handsome people. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see that. I don't, again, I don't want to watch a trailer because they tend to give away too much in these like kind of formulaic movies. Mm-hmm. But, um, I did read you that synopsis, and I, that's all you're going to get that's until we watch need. it. It's true. Because that is Step Ups 2 through 5. Yeah. That's the synopsis they become of all a family, of those. Yeah. And everybody gets along, and everything is nice in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So are you excited to watch this? Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm very curious because I do love to see different cultures take on something else Mm. because they're adding in something that is uniquely from there yeah and it often shows you something about that like usually we get it the other way we get americans remaking movies that are great from from other countries exactly yeah and the way what they cut and what they add in is usually pretty indicative of american culture Mm -hmm. so i'm curious to see this going the other way yeah i think it'll be i think it'll be really cool and i'm excited to see Chinese culture from a Chinese person, not from an American director. I'm also curious to see if this was just a dance movie and then for sending it over here, they just said like, oh yeah, it's also a step up six. Why not? Oh yeah. I wonder actually, I wonder if there's going to be any ties to the original whole step up None of the cast is, correct? Not that I know of, No. All right. Because there's like also no information on the Step Up franchise page about it. Yeah. So that's why I'm thinking like, is this really a Step Up? Mm, They were just trying to Step Up in name only. Maybe. Maybe. Well, we will discuss that next week when we watch it. And you can come back and we will be discussing Step Up Year of the Dance, also known as Step Up China or Step Up Six. Yeah. And if you're having trouble finding it, I don't know, maybe send us a message on one of our many social media things and we might be able to help you out. We might be able to find you one. Okay. Bye, everyone. Keep stepping up. Bye.